Hello and welcome to Silence, a podcast where women get really honest about surviving and thriving in what often feels like a man's world. My guests are wonder women from the fields of science, technology, engineering and mathematics or STEM, where inclusivity and diversity can be a real problem. I know this only too well as a female Southeast Asian mechanical engineer. I was kind of a minority within a minority back then. I'm Dr. Shanice O'Mara, an engineer turned broadcaster. Throughout my career, I've worked on and reported on some cutting edge technology and innovation. And through my TV work, I've met some incredibly inspiring women from a diverse range of STEM fields. Talking to these exceptional ladies has often left me feeling empowered, hopeful and excited about my own life. But I believe silence will enrich you too. Every week, a woman in STEM shares her unique experiences with absolutely no pressure in having to promote her accomplishments or guard her impressive reputation, because I've come to realize that everyone is just way more open and relaxed when they're anonymous. So I deliberately disguised my guest voices so that we're just connecting as human beings rather than human doings. It's my hope that you really relate to what we chat about today. If so, please do subscribe to Silence and maybe even rate and review the show. I'd love to have your feedback. This week, my guest is in the field of cancer research. Hello. Hello. (laughs) How are you doing during this crazy time of self-isolation and quarantine? Well, quite quite good, uh, I think, and quite lucky I am. So I'm with the family and uh, we're all together and we have space. So I think we're we're doing fine. So good. Well, well done. I mean, being in cancer research, I'm assuming that you're in a lab. Yes. So I have uh, my lab and uh, and a team and uh, I'm working in uh, cancer research, um, trying to develop a test for personalized medicine. Right. Okay. I mean, cancer research is such a massive field. And uh, I mean, just through the television work that I've done, it's clear that people in cancer research are really trying all different avenues and innovative ways of trying to battle that deadly disease. Yes, it's true. Um, I think so. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think people are trying several angles to tackle this uh, big problem. Mm. And I think this could, let's hope that um, one of them will work or two will work. Mm. If um, many people try, I think we'll get there. So, what's been your journey into cancer research? Like, when did you know that this was going to be the field of uh, study for you? Okay, so I started out as being a developmental biologist, studying embryology, really early development, looking at neurogenesis, then uh, somatogenesis, which is the formation of these um, building blocks of our um, spine, our muscles and our bone. Uh, so really developmental biology and embryology, really basic uh, science. When I turned to cancer research was really um, through a personal story. So my mother got cancer and I realized how cancer treatments are still prescribed and how many times there are options of treatment and there isn't a test like an antibiogram when you have an infection and then you can test which is the best antibiotic for that to kill that bacteria or that infection of that bacterial infection. So this was really the starting point to go to cancer research. I was so 
um, I could not believe that there wasn't a test. The, you have chemo A, chemo B, and you don't know which one is better for that cancer for that person. And then if it doesn't work, you change chemo with all the side effects. So that didn't make any sense to me. And so this was really my driving force to go to cancer research. Mm. And um, and when I started, if I think back, <laughs> which was like five, six years ago, and I did my first presentation talking about the project, people were like, oh my God, she's crazy now. <laughs> it was ambitious. Too, it was, too, it was uh, yeah, ambitious. And I think people thought she's crazy because I was trying to say that I was going to try to put cancer cells of, of people into little zebrafish and then test the best drug. This was, and, uh, and yeah, and now these people thought that I was not great that I was crazy now they think okay you did it so it was good but anyway I think yes we should believe in uh, in our ideas and we should try them because well if they don't work it doesn't matter but we try them I think it's I think it's um yeah I think we should fight and uh try for it what we believe in. for yeah. what we believe and then if it doesn't work it's science but you try it you have an hypothesis yeah. and you should just try it and if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. But it does work. If it works, it's it's really it's really cool. And um, and then that's how my work started in cancer research. And so I'm still trying to do this test. But at the same point, uh, because it's science, you start seeing other things, observing other um, phenotypes that come up, and then the model is giving me so much information that then I can explore other fields of the cancer of cancer research, and it's really fascinating. So this is more or less how I went to to cancer research. But yes, mm. as when I look back, I think people thought some people thought I was pretty crazy to try to do this. Yeah, but I yeah. mean. All the women that I interview for this podcast, they all talk about their relationship with failure mm-hmm. um, and making mistakes and messing up. And I do think you need to have a very healthy relationship with failure um, in order to be a scientist. I mean, you just can't measure your value on your successes alone in this business. Uh, yeah, it's true. I think uh, I think I I was very lucky. I had a female mentor for my postdoc, and I think when I was stressed, she was saying, "Well, you cannot compare yourself to, you cannot be con- constantly comparing yourself to other people. You cannot just do your thing." And um, I think that was a very good advice because at some point. I wasn't. I didn't change to cancer research. I was still in development. I had my kids, so during my PhD, so I didn't publish like super high impact journals. So I felt okay. Maybe I lost the train. I cannot continue to try this, and um, I didn't publish enough. And I was always trying. To, well, I was always comparing to my peers. That's the problem. Yeah. It is a big stress, and what I can say is that this was a great advice to not compare, just do what you like and, uh, and what really drives you. And then um, also what I think is that when you're doing 
research, I guess, are the jobs. Sometimes, yeah, you 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 are measured by papers, but you're also measured by peers and how mm. you yeah. help them out or how you help a colleague, how you help a student. And then the supervisor of that student understands that uh, that student was helped by by you and then he he sees you as a, a peer and somebody that is helping out and uh, always being, I don't know, um, in a positive way, helping the community, even if you know, even not, you know, having a paper with it, a manuscript, mm. uh, a grant, or whatever. But that builds yeah. up um, your reputation, I guess, as a scientist yeah. and someone that um, you might not have loads of fantastic papers, but you actually are helping the community. And th- I think that's also important. I think. But. Yeah, I think it's the difference between doing something because you sincerely and genuinely want to do something and the opposite, which is doing something for a specific goal. Yeah. Um, and it sounds like you were very driven by your heart, like your heart was in your research. Yes. Rather than, so. you know, for greedy sort of uh, motivations. Yes. Um I must say, you know, to be able to focus on finding a solution to a problem that you identified because of your mum's health is a really massive motivation. Um, And what I'd like to know is, like, how were you able to make that switch from the science you were studying to cancer research? I mean, did you have to completely redo things in order to make that happen well the fact is my i think my training as a developmental biologist was very good so i still feel i'm a developmental biologist maybe more than a a cancer researcher because uh, i think cancer is uh, when development gets wrong or goes wrong so my 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 frame mind and how I think about cancer is always as with a development perspective. Mm, and, yeah. and so for me, it was not so difficult. Of course, I had to study a lot. And, um, yeah. and uh, at some point I had some people that also backed me up. So they believed in the idea. So I had two people that believed in the idea and one of them actually, um, backed up with uh, with with money for to start the project and that was very important right. also of course yeah but yeah. in terms of um background i think working in developmental biology actually gave me a lot of tools so my it's my it's still my framework of, of thinking mm. and i still think it's very good so <laughs> It was it was not difficult that part. It just had to study a lot, and 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 I like you know scientists like doing that, right? Yeah. So, so that's not a big. <laughs> so what got you into development biology in the first place? Because I mean, you know, take me back to when you were a little girl. Like, did you always want to be in biology? Like, how did the whole um, journey into STEM begin? What kind of kid were you? Uh, I think I was very, I'm curious, very curious, and I want to understand things. Um, 
I think it's that. I, I think I always get very irritated when I don't understand something. Right. Well, and I always loved animals, I guess. I like being with animals, I guess. It was the beginning, I think. And then um, uh, my family were mostly artists and designers, and so they were not scientists. So... <laughs> I think I'm so it's a pretty like, courageous move to go into something like developmental biology. Oh, well, you don't didn't come from that. No, I didn't come from that. But then, when in school, I went. To, I really liked science, and I like biology because uh, I was trying to understand things, how the body works, how cells work. Uh, it's really, I think it's still amazing, and mm. so I think it's that. Um, trying to understand that really drove me into, and then I went to university and, and I, was, I had genetics and microbiology. And then it was a bit by chance that I went to developmental biology because um, for my, uh, to start working and I, uh, uh, my PhD supervisor, I just went to his lab and then I started working in development it was a bit by chance, not really because I wanted to work in development. It was a bit mm. by chance. But I was really fascinated by it. But I think I'm um, very curious and just want yeah. to understand something. And when I don't mm. understand something, I get very, um, it's, it's a bit like what happened with the cancer treatments. I was very, I could not That's understand what, what was going on. So I think mm. that was really my drive to try to to solve a problem, to understand what was what was going on, I think. Maybe, I don't know, mm. maybe very simple. <laughs> and what's it been like being female in your industry? Because um, in other STEM subjects, there's a massive gender uh, inequality. And I don't think biology is as bad as some of the other STEM subjects, but how has it been for you? Yeah, I don't think it's so bad. Uh, what I think is still um, the family part, and uh, uh, and uh, to build a family, to have kids, I think it's a really challenge. And I think things are changing. So um, men are changing their behavior, of course, um, mm. but still. Being female, being a mother, I still think it's different. I don't know. And so um, I think that was very, uh, although I had a lot of help, a lot of um, help at home with grandmas and um, whatever, I thought I felt that it was hard. So I could not focus the same way as a man or be long hours in the lab. And, um, and of course, the, the, the amount of productivity that you can have is different. And so I really think that um, the evaluation, uh, like an ERC grant, which I think it's very good that they take in account how many kids you have and these uh, career breaks, these mm. are, I think this is really essential because uh, I had my kids during my PhD, so I, I, I did very different from most of the people I know. So I had my kids during my PhD. And what I thought, and bit in the end of the PhD, so my beginning of my postdoc, I had a really tiny baby. But um, 
I thought, okay, um, PhD, not a good time to have kids. Postdoc, not a good time to have kids. Mm. Uh, it's never a good it's time. It's never a good time. So I got to the conclusion, <laughs> well, when I retire, it will be great. And then I thought, <laughs> well, maybe, you know, it, it won't be possible. So there's no good yeah. time. So just do it. Yeah. And it was like that. So that's what, how I decided. So uh, how many kids did you have? So I have two. Okay. I have only two. And uh, and I'm happy that I, I, I had them really early. Yeah. Uh, because of two. It was a good decision. It was a good decision because when, when I, I think back yeah. to when I think back to my own PhD, like looking back at it, even yeah. though at the time I felt very stressed yeah. and like really overworked and yeah. I basically ate, slept and dreamed about my work. Yeah. Um I don't at the time, there was no way I could have con- conceived of the idea of having children. But looking back today, it would have been a perfect time. Yes, maybe. I yeah. Really because yeah. I had made that decision. Yeah, because, uh, well, I, I, it's like, like I said, I think there's no perfect time. It's always um, a big um, change in your life, of course. But looking back, I think it was good. Because uh, when I try to have the third one later on, when people, most of my colleagues or my friends have, it didn't work. So my biology or and my husband's biology were not helping anymore because there is a curve and there is a clock and there is a, the biology ticking. So it was good in that sense. And the other thing that was good now is that now I have teenagers, which are not so easy. Any well, not that easy, but it's different. It helped. Yeah, I can now focus really focus on what I'm doing. So, but but it could have been really bad because I know that uh, I had my kids, and I if I would compare with my colleagues, of course, my productivity was not the same. And I didn't have those high yeah. impact factors. So I had a hard time at that point when I was going to the postdoc and looking at people that in the PhD had really amazing uh, papers. I had nice papers, but they were not <laughs> natures. And, uh, and of course, there is the luck part because there are many people that don't have kids and then they were not lucky and they worked a lot. And so I think um I don't know it's 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 really hard I think to juggle between family and and career I think it's hard mm. and it's it's much harder for us as a women and yeah it's funny though because listening to you mm. and everything you've done I honestly would say that you are a woman that has it all you've got an amazing career you're focusing on this fascinating research which Obviously, the audience don't know about, but I can tell you it's pioneering. Um, you've got two kids. You've got a f- husband and family life. I mean, what more does a woman need? It's kind of like, but that's looking from the outside. Yeah. And so it's so fascinating to hear, you know, your truth, basically, which is that it's not easy. No, it's not easy. I think it's not easy. And I had a lot of help. So, uh, and so I always feel that if you're a scientist and you want to have kids, you need help. So you need money to have help at home. I hate doing um, house chores. I hate it. I like doing, you know, having my nice house and 
decoration. I like doing things at home, but not the, you know, washing up uh, all these stuff. So yeah. you need help. I think people need help uh, at home and help with kids, with grandmas or whatever, something that, mm. that helps yeah. you, that helps you. You need help. Uh, or you need to have a very balanced um, husband and wife, I guess. But at the point that I was having small kids, my husband had a very, very uh, starting his own company. And <laughs> so it was very, also very uh, demanding. So, you know, mm. and we, we have to juggle everything. So it's, it, it's not, I don't think it's easy. And even having help, mm. it's not easy. So what I think is really for to help women, I think is the the big. Um, I think the big solution is really giving time. Giving time. Uh, when you have kids, you have to have time, and you cannot compare CVs the same way. Right. I think that's, yeah. Yeah. I think having a healthy appreciation for the fact that having children is another full-time job and you know like every human being on the planet having two full-time jobs means that you can't be a hundred percent in both yes and not to expect that of yourself yeah you cannot expect to be the perfect mother the perfect housewife or the perfect scientist you cannot expect to be perfect uh, perfect of, mm. of everything and um yes but it sounds like you it sounds like you really um kind of knew what you wanted uh from the beginning or do you did you leave everything to just chance or <laughs> intuition <you know? laughs> Well, I don't think I knew everything from the beginning. I think I'm very intuitive and um, I don't know. It was very strange because uh, I married really early uh, from... How early? Yeah, 23 or something. But I never thought oh, wow. about getting married in my life. So because my parents were not, were very relaxed. They were not married. They, they came from other oh, parents. Wow. So so and so my background was not thinking about marriage it just happened and okay let's do it it was very it's very intuitive and it happened and then my husband really wanted to have kids early I don't know he was very focused on having early and I was like well it's not very good I'm doing my PhD but then I start thinking when it's going to be a good time and then I I realized was when I retired and so then I realized, okay, let's do it. <laughs> it was a bit like this. So I don't think I'm so very, brave. I'm not very, I, I do not, I do not control much. I just go, I think, after what makes, what drives me, I think. So I'm not very yeah. good at it. I have friends that are very good at it. They control everything. They know they finished their PhD. Next day they were pregnant and that was planned. Right. So I'm not like that uh, at all. Um, and uh, I'm not and so some things of course didn't work very well I guess but um, so it's um, I don't know trying I don't know I don't know I think um, it's also not saying no I think when something it's uh, exciting and just jumping in yeah. maybe I don't know 
but it's so fascinating because <laughs> I, I find that women in STEM, or maybe it's because I hang around more with physicists mm-hmm. and kind of engineers, yeah. we're always trying to plan everything. And, you know, after step A, there's step B, after step B, there's step C. And like, I think part of uh, what can send us into a spin is our plan not unfolding the way we thought it would. Whereas you seem to take a different approach and achieve everything anyway, but like you seem to leave it up to the natural unfolding of things. Yes, uh, in some ways and and not. So I I I I like mix both. So it's like I have this plan, like everyone has the plan, but then I look on the other side and I know that um that plan is very good for some people and it works. Uh but some for others it won't work even if you try very hard because there's also chance. So I need to, I think I feel I need to balance with uh, what's your passion and what you really want to do. I don't know. I I don't know. I don't know. Uh, I think um, so if I maintain myself in, in developmental biology, I don't know if I could become a, a principal investigator, for instance, as I'm now uh, leading a group and, and having this. So... But I changed not because I thought, okay, this is not my way to become a PI because uh, I need to change to cancer research because it's more sexy or more whatever. No, I didn't think about it. I just wanted to solve that problem and I didn't care. Mm. So I, at this point, I was not thinking about uh, my career or, uh, of course, I had some of course, I wanted to maintain, <laughs> to go forward my career, but uh, but at that point when I changed, I was not thinking actually on that. I was thinking on, I have this problem, I want to solve it, I want to put my skills on this, because uh, I don't understand how this happening in in twenty in two thousand and whatever uh, twelve, mm-hmm. whatever it was happening. And I don't understand why this is. So I need to put mo- the skills I have now uh, in, in, to do this. And I was not thinking much on on my career. I must say. So, but but probably I was not thinking because I I, I didn't uh, tick all the boxes of um, high impact papers, this and that. So I could not. I didn't. I was not able to do that. I did other things. So I was invited to to teach. And I said, yes. And maybe another person would say, no, I need to focus on the research. But then came on this uh, invitation to go and teach. And I went to teach uh, at the same time that I was doing research. Uh, another invitation to teach in another a PhD program or a master program or whatever. And I would say, yes. Um, so I don't know. Uh, Is there anything you would have done differently looking back? Well, well, some things. <laughs> Maybe I would try other things. I always um, not regret, but I, I'm. It's something that I miss, and I think I should have done. So I did my PhD in Portugal, and I wanted to go out for my postdoc, but I couldn't with the family, small kids, and I couldn't go abroad. So I did the mix postdoc with two supervisors one in portugal one in the uk and which was my like 
my science hero. And um, so I compromised again. So I didn't go out because I went with my family, but I managed to have to work with the person I really wanted to work, uh, who was my science hero. And, and so I would commute to London and come back a few times uh, every year to discuss data and so on. But I didn't really work um, in another abroad with my family. I wanted to do that and, and I couldn't. Uh, well, uh, I had to choose. I thought that if I would go out with my family, I would not have so much time to work because uh, I wouldn't have the support of the family. I wouldn't be, how do I say? Um, so I always knew that my kids were okay. If I got a bit late at work, they would be fine. They would be with the granny and the cousin, so they would be very happy. I, I, I wasn't worried. I knew that they were fine. If I was in a- I mean, it sounds like you had the best of both worlds. It sounds like, you know, <laughs> you know, Maybe. It's Maybe. Not, it's, you didn't get to work with, uh, you didn't get to work abroad but you got to work with your hero yes. and got so, yeah. to travel as well as have a family. I mean, Yes, I tried wow. to juggle, but once more I tried to juggle. And in the end, I was quite lucky in the sense, it's strange to say this, but my, my superhero, so he, he was uh, ill, so he had cancer also. And, uh, but because he was in treatments, he was not much in the lab, but because I was just coming and I had to book flights and so on. So I booked one or two days with him once in a while in the, in the year. And so people in the lab would tell me, well, you're lucky. You see him more than we do. <laughs> so, yeah. so, um, but he was like, okay, I cannot have this, uh, try this. So it's always compromising. I think in the end, mm-hmm. It was good, but I still feel that I didn't, you know, go after what I wanted, which it was going to have the experience and, uh, and so on. So I did an Erasmus, Erasmus in Barcelona and stuff before. But in science, there's also this big pressure on going outside uh, of your country and succeeding outside and then you come back. And so this is something that is still... Um, it's like something uh, you feel that you didn't do and 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 some people can um, say that you didn't do that and mm. you know I feel so. the same way about children <laughs> you know because I put my career first and I have traveled the world and you know lived abroad and you know all these kinds of things but yeah I will I doubt I'll ever have the experience of having my own children um and I feel like whatever happens in life there's always going to be something that you didn't do because you chose something else yes you're right right. yeah yeah um (laughs) have you needed because you sound like such a capable um self-sustaining and self-supporting woman um have you needed uh you know, any kind of support or mentorship or, you know, just some kind of professional okay, help. guidance? Well, yeah. my, uh, I must say I had once. Uh, so 
my mother got cancer. Then uh, my father was fine. And then the last year when the cancer came back, my father fell and had a problem in his leg and then an infection and then hospital and then a huge surgery. And then at some point, my year of 2012 became a year I had to take care of my both parents. Right. Uh, one in cancer, uh, doing uh, metastatic lung cancer to the brain. So it was horrible. And then my father also in a clinic and it was... It was a totally nightmare. At the same time, I wanted to change to cancer research. I was already thinking about mm. it already. The same time that all this mess, I had my kids. At the same time, I had, uh, I was starting thinking, uh, who should I talk to? Which surgeons I should talk to have samples to try this on? The same was a mess. So, and then they both died. Um, and then I, I went for help because also problems with um, inheritance issues, uh, lots of debts of my parents, and I had to deal with everything, with monies and uh, And <laughs> so then I had to ask for help. Um, and, and she told me, why are you contacting me? You need a lawyer. You don't need a, you don't need a psychologist. You need a lawyer. Mm. And I said, no, I need a psychologist because I want to solve this in an ethical manner. This is a problems of ethics and not a problem of law. I don't want to apply the law. So I had this, I think, and um, and it was very good also to have this help because it helped me structure also this thing of not going abroad, not doing this. <laughs> That uh, right, see? get to the root. Yes, yeah, yeah, yes, yes, yes. Yeah, it's fascinating because um, I think generally people's approach is, you know, if there's a problem, just stick a plaster over it, and people don't want to get to the root. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, particularly, like for example, during this coronavirus, like a lot of people are quite high anxiety at the moment. Mm -hmm. And um, I was just having a conversation with a friend about their child who is like really becoming very sort of like anxious and OCD during this self-quarantining time. And, and my friend was just saying, you know, just, just be aware of the fact that you're, you know, that the child is um, washing their hands a lot, checking that things are off, you know, uh, locking doors, that kind of thing. And I, I just feel that that isn't the way to tackle it. It's to really try and understand what's causing that deep anxiety. Because I think coronavirus, for example, is really bringing that to the surface. But there are lots more underlying issues. And so the fact that when you were going through all of that stress, mm -hmm. and it just sounds so intense, yeah. like the fact that you went to a therapist before a lawyer is such a profoundly smart thing to do, I think. Yeah, well, yes, I did go to a lawyer also, but the lawyer was not helping. Well, I did go to a lawyer, but I wanted a therapist because I was feeling this was not a simple thing. So yeah. I had half siblings and uh, they were very bad with money and and uh, and there wasn't much. But anyway, I wanted to give some to my siblings, but not all because they were not, they were just half. It, it was a big mess in my head. 
mm. uh, and I had to solve it because they didn't leave things solved and that was a big it it was almost harder for me than than dealing and solving the everyday lives of going and get medicine or uh, or taking one to a consultation, then other to another, and then going to the lab, and then going to the kids, and then I don't know. That year was oh was really, really like uh, extreme. But um, but yes, I think uh, yeah, I think you need to. I don't know. I have a student that she's very also uh, stressed with this, and it's just come on, wait a minute. At the beginning when this started calm down the probability of being hit by a car is probably much bigger than this so let's i think we need to try to to rationalize and 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 take the most of the each situation if we are in the quarantine coronavirus let's try and do good things that we never have time yeah or something i mean honestly i know I that know. the risk is high yeah. for corona and you know now we know more UK, now we know the uk is in total lockdown um but i i must say that during this time i have really enjoyed being able to take a step back take the time to really reflect on what i'm doing how i'm doing it like approach things in a very organized way because you know there's no commuting and there's no distractions and there's no you know social anything so it's like really calming down been yes yes I agree totally I was uh, just before this crisis I was like oh my god I have to stop I'm exhausted I need to stop and already have a new deadline and I was just, yeah. you know, <laughs> I love doing to-do lists and and just, and it's done, 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 done. And then, oh my God, another deadline. I need, I'm exhausted. I need to stop. So when this yeah. thing came and they extended the deadline, I said, ooh, that's nice. <laughs> yeah. So Honestly. I think we do have, we are in a time where everything is too fast. Too many things. Yeah. Too many things. Yeah. Yeah. The world needed to grind to a halt. Um, yes. And I I don't know about you, but I feel like this time um, has really forced people to ask themselves what's important. And, you know, for example, since I've been working from home, I haven't been wearing makeup. Um, and I've just been scraping my hair back. And I, it's about staying healthy. Yes. And staying well rested Mm -hmm. and you know and and actually doing my work because I want to do it and I feel enriched by doing it rather than doing it because uh I'm super stressed and you know I'm trying to just get something out of the door Mm -hmm. to say that I've done it so um I feel like I'm recalibrating um and sort of redefining what is important to me yeah during this time yes I think I did that uh, the beginning and now I'm starting zoom 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 meetings I think I'm going to reduce yeah. the zoom meetings <laughs> yesterday I had yeah. my all my afternoon with zoom meetings with the people in my lab and just to know how they are and what they're doing and of course it's my job but um and um 
but so the world's starting to pick pick back up again yes. but just online yes exactly so uh, i'm i'm going to well i think we are adjusting and but i had exactly that sensation that we need to slow down slow down because yeah. uh, it's too much it's i think it's too much for everyone probably yeah so what aspirations do you have for the future because you sound like a woman who has done it all I mean <laughs> is there anything left to do other than enjoy your hard work well it looks like but it's not really like that so my position in the, in the, my institute is not very clear yet so it looks like everything is perfect but it's not so I need to go through an evaluation which I hope it will be soon and so that everything is cleared but uh, so it looks like everything is perfect but it's not so mm. um yeah so we always need i guess after that <laughs> i think we in and i don't have a pr permanent position you still have you know in science i think until you have uh, i don't know I haven't been in that position to have a, a, a permanent position or whatever. So I don't know how it feels like, but I think people, when they get there and they're still passionate about their work, they just work hard because they need grants and then they need papers and then you're still on that loop. Uh, but I guess then you can um, relax a little bit and, and don't be so stressed, I guess. I, I'm yeah. guessing I haven't reached that point. So it's so interesting because even after two children, um, it sounds like your ambitions haven't changed. You know, they haven't reduced as a result of becoming a mum. No, 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 at all. Because uh, I I was very career driven by my education. So mm. I, as I said, it was like by chance that I got married really early and got kids really early because I was not thinking about it. My when I got uh, when I got married, my mother said it's a bit early, <laughs> <laughs> and I understand her perfectly. I said yes, it is, but well, you know, just happened. It's. And I think maybe it was good that I was like this because, you know, people that wait for the perfect timing of everything, I don't know. And then I got pregnant, having a baby. My mother said, why well, aren't you doing a PhD? Uh, yes, I am. I'm going to do both. What's your problem? <laughs> so I... That's such a great I didn't want to I think choose. I, I didn't want to choose. I think that was my thing. I didn't want to choose one thing or the other. So I was like... And you seem to have really known your own mind because maybe a lot of women in STEM actually make decisions they don't want to make based on other people's opinions. But it doesn't sound like you, you were like that. I do like... Yes, I wasn't in this thing. I think I, I tried to to measure both everything. I, I try to analyze quite the pros and cons, but then I think I go with my heart, I guess. But um, I do like to ask a lot of opinion from people. So I like to ask my my mentor, my my postdoc mentor, Leonor, she's, she's great. I really like to ask her, what do you think about this? What do you think about that? And then I think mm -hmm. about, you know, the decisions and I like to discuss with other people and know their opinion. I really like to know their opinion mm -hmm. and 
but then that helps me and with you. Yeah. And then I guess then I decide, but I really like to know the opinion of other people before I do a decision. And I discuss quite a lot with my friends or my husband. And and I now I have another woman um, mentor. She's 80 years old. So I, <laughs> it's, and I like to discuss a lot. Um, and this this uh, scientist, she was she's a well known scientist, Portuguese scientist. She she had no family, so she was totally focused on what? on science. And I think she mm. she she chose science totally and with all her heart. And I think it's also great because it's a lot of also a lot of liberty there. You can do whatever you want. And sometimes I miss that to be late hours in the lab and just be there enjoying discussing science and don't think about that you have to go home. It's I also miss a bit of that, I guess. But then it's like everything. You cannot have everything. <laughs> Try to yeah, have a little bit yeah. of this, a little bit of that. I don't know. I don't know. I'm sure she wonders what it may have been like to have a family of her own. Yeah. It's, sure. uh, it's, yeah. It's, you know. And what works for one doesn't really have to work for other. And uh, I think it's... So, by the way, do you have daughters? I have one daughter and a boy, a boy and a girl. Okay. Because, you know, statistically, Mm -hmm. women and girls don't tend to go into science as much as um, men. And I know that there are different sciences that are more popular amongst girls mm-hmm. than others. And biology is probably one of those sciences. Yes. Um, but what advice would you give to maybe even your daughter or other girls that are thinking about science because they, they have that curiosity that you had when you were a little girl? I would just say go forward and uh, stick to it and don't give up. <laughs> I would say just yeah. go for it and do what you like and do what you love and go after uh whatever drives you. It doesn't really matter. I think it's uh you just need to go for what drives you because and what really so when I was doing my PhD I was with little kids so I didn't have time so I'd write read papers in traffic lights when the, the car stopped in the red light, I would read my papers there. So, so it's just, you know. That is just... definitely what I get from you. When I listen to you, I think, my gosh, this is a woman that was so driven to solve a problem. Um, and she did absolutely everything uh, she needed to do in order to solve that problem. Um, and so maybe girls listening to this may think, well, I don't really have that same drive. So maybe I shouldn't go into STEM. Like in your experience, mm. uh, do you feel like, uh, science is for women or is it even actually not an issue? It's not about male, female. It's just about, no, I don't think it's male, female. Uh, I think it's right. just, uh, I think I don't think so. I don't think it's male, female at all. I think we are as good as mm. they are. They are as good as we are. Um, I think we are different. We and I think we are different. We do well. I think somehow we are hardwired uh, for motherhood. It's normal. It's biology. 
course, mm-hmm. there's some people that maybe they're not uh, always exceptions, but I think somehow this is hardwired and we like doing that and it can be different. I think my husband didn't really enjoy babies and they he enjoys when they start playing and they start becoming interesting. I really enjoyed babies, so we are different, and that's the biology. But to pursue science, I don't think it makes a difference. We can, we can be different and 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 look at the problems in a different way. What I think it's very different is the time, the focusing. Because when I I, I wrote an ERC that didn't that got rejected, for instance, uh, in three weeks where people said it's impossible. So I, I I just arrived home and I said, I'm going to be a man now. So don't ask me anything. I'm going to write this. <laughs> I don't care if there's, you know, dinner or not. I don't care. You do it. I don't <laughs> care. So I experienced being like that three weeks. And I said, 17 October, I'll be back. But I was at home, right? <laughs> I'll become a woman on the 17th of October. Yes. And it was very different. So I experienced three weeks of being really focused on only one thing. And I saw the difference in productivity, of course. But um, so that's why. But I don't really want to be like that all the time. Yeah, it's so great. I'm not. To live in a world where you can just be yourself and not have to... uh not have to make sacrifices just to be yourself in order to achieve. Yes, but I think we also like, I don't know, I also like taking care of my family, I must say. So I'm saying I don't want to be 100% like that, completely focused on myself and my goal. Mm. Uh, And I don't think we all need to be like that. Otherwise, you know, who's going? I don't know. I like to know what's going on. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how to explain. I'm saying that we don't have to be all the same. But then when you evaluate women and you evaluate women with babies, with families or with children, you need to give more time and think that these people don't have the same time to be as productive or whatever. As, as In general, of course, there are men that are also taking care of children and so on and so on. But I think in general, we are multitasking and they are more focused and more confident. I think the big, we didn't talk about, but I've been thinking about this. And I think also the confidence is where we we lack confidence. Women in general, I think we lack confidence. And men in general are more confident. And there's been a lot of studies, I think, on this. But um, that do you think you're a confident woman? I am. But maybe if I was a man, I was more. <laughs> I do understand if I was a man, I would be different. I was in some situations that and I thought, come on, if I was a man, this would not be happening. And I'm sure. Mm. And I'm sure. I'm sure. So I would be more um, maybe aggressive. I would step out of that situation much before. Uh, the man that I'm having this thing would be would have a different attitude. I think uh, I I was in a situation that I actually knew I was being manipulated, and I was I knew, and I was seeing it, but 
it was difficult for me to get out of it. But, mm. So maybe that's the key. Maybe that's the key is um, as women in STEM, if we get into tricky situations, we ask ourselves, what would a man do? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Just to give us a little bit of a different perspective exactly. as to how we are carrying ourselves, how we are coming across to the other person, is to just ask, you know, what would it man do? Yes, yes, I think that's a good exercise. <laughs> that's a good exercise. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, that's an amazing note to end on uh, a great piece of advice um i don't know if this is controversial or not i don't know but... i don't know i don't know I, i'm just yeah and i think also of course this uh, i'm generalizing and it's it's really cultural also how the families are organized and of course i have a lot of help now with my, my husband but it's different because if you if you have a, a marriage and and the other partner also has a very demanding work like starting a company and so on you need to tackle everything and come and juggle between not only your um career but your partner's career and then the kids and then everything and then anything i, I don't know <laughs> i just think people should do what they really love and and just go forward and and that and the rest should do the the work i guess i don't know <laughs> exactly thank you so much for sharing your experiences with us thank you that's it from my stem guest this week gosh in listening to her i really feel like she is a woman that knows exactly what she wants and she doesn't let anything stand in her way it's not that she doesn't listen to others it's not that she doesn't take suggestions but she really knows her own mind and in knowing who you truly are and what you truly want you're able to empathize with others and have understanding for other people's journeys and that's the message i really got from my guest today thank you so much for listening don't forget to rate and review the show and catch you next week on silence <laughs>